in this reading out of the Gospel of Luke, we hear quite a bit about John the Baptist. And John is actually very similar to that of an Old Testament prophet. He was of priestly lineage on both sides of his family. He is named by the angel Gabriel as having the spirit and power of Elijah. He fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah. John has been moved by the word of God. And he plays the role of a prophet in two distinct ways. First, he calls for repentance. And he proclaims a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Second, he prepares the way for and foretells the coming of the Messiah. The one that is to come. The one who brings salvation. The one who brings hope to the hopeless and life to the lifeless. The text tells us that the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You see, John seems to be an odd character. Some might say he's an interesting dude. For John is the son of Zechariah, who happens to be living, or at least hanging out a lot, in the wilderness. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. Matthew tells us that John wore and ate funny things. And John encountered God in the wilderness. Historically, the wilderness was the place where God had met the people of Israel before. It is in the wilderness that Elijah hears the still, small voice of God. It is in the wilderness that Moses receives the Ten Commandments on top of Mount Sinai. And yet, though in the wilderness, there seems to be nothing special about the wilderness where John encounters God. The text does not tell us that it was one of the high, holy places talked about in the Old Testament. John encounters God in a regular, ordinary, run-of-the-mill location. And John then went into all the region around the Jordan. And if we think back, the Jordan was where the people of Israel entered into the Promised Land. And here we have John proclaiming a baptism for the forgiveness of sins right around the known location where the people first went into the promised land. You see, John must have understood that once again, God was promising the people a gift. Only this time, instead of being land, the gift was God's very self for the forgiveness of sins. And so after John hears the word of the Lord, the word of God in the wilderness, he begins pouring out his life, proclaiming the good news of God for the sake of others. Many people would have believed that John was quite mad. Some would have been extremely annoyed by him. John may have been one of those characters that when he walked into the room, the other people turned away and walked the opposite direction. Some probably rolled their eyes when he came into their city. 
many were uncomfortable with John. And we know from later on in Luke that his actions actually caused at least a few individuals to want him dead. And yet John continued to give himself away for the sake of others. As John told the people to prepare for the Lord, John himself prepared for the Lord by giving himself away. In a world of shootings, violence, and injustice, I think we can learn a lot from John the Baptist. In preparing for the coming of the Lord, John refused to fight for his status, his privilege, and his rights. He simply gave himself away. Preparing for Christ's advent among us must also involve giving ourselves away for the sake of others. John the Baptist understood that he belonged to God. He understood that he was a child of God. He understood that no child is just a child. Each is a creature in whom God intends to do something amazing. I recently began reading this book entitled Run with the Horses by Eugene Peterson. A number of pastors and and myself are getting together to read this. And I think that he demonstrates this truth really well, that each of us belongs to God. And so we must give ourselves away back to God. Peterson tells a story about his childhood in this book. And this is what he says. In the neighborhood where I lived when I was in first grade, all the children were older than I. When we had neighborhood games and chose up sides, I was always the last one chosen. One time, it probably happened more than once, but this one sticks in my memory. After everyone else had been chosen, I was left standing in the middle between the two teams. The captains argued over who was going to have to choose me. Having me, I suddenly realized, was a liability. As the argument raged between them, I went from being a zero to a minus. Peterson continues, but not with God. Not a zero, not a minus. I have a set-apart place that only I can fill. No one can substitute for me. No one can replace me. Before I was good for anything, God decided that I was good for what he was doing. Before I was good for anything, God decided that I was good for what he was doing. My place in life doesn't depend on how well I do in the entrance examination. My place in life is not determined by what market there is out there for my type of personality. God doesn't wait to see how we turn out to decide to choose or not choose us. Before we were born, God chose us for God's side. Peterson seemed to understand That we are, our life is but a gift from God. Each of us belongs to God, and so we must give ourselves away. John the Baptist understood this. He understood that because he belonged to God, he needed to give himself away for the sake of others. It's a book entitled, A Theology of Love, and in it, Mildred Bangs Wynkoop refers to love as emptying oneself for the sake of others. Our lives are not our own, but gifts from God for the sake of leaving the world better than it was when we entered it. For God is a giver. 
God gives us the word. God gives us the capacity to turn back toward God in relationship with God. God gives us the law and the prophets. God gives us life. God gives us the arts. God gives us music. God gives us language. God gives us beautiful tropical beaches and cold white mountains. Our God is a giver. God even gives God's very own self in the form of a baby in a manger. Every aspect of creation can be a means through which we encounter our creator. Our God is a giver. The gifts of God for the people of God. Our God is a giver. Preparing for Jesus involves joining God in what God is already doing. Giving is rooted in God's creation. The Son gives life to the plant. Plants give life to the animals. Giving is the style of the universe. Giving is essential in understanding God's creation. And yet, many of us choose to live by the narrative of getting rather than the narrative of giving. And if we try to live by getting instead of giving, we are going against God's way of being in the world. Getting will not make us more complete. Getting will not bring us joy. Getting will not shape us into the image of Christ. All of life is given and must continue to be given to others. Truthfully, followers of Christ are ridiculous people. I mean, we, like John the Baptist, actually have the audacity to believe that we find more hope, joy, life, and peace by giving rather than getting. This is not the narrative of this country. This is not the narrative of individualism. This is not the me and Jesus mentality. We are to give away our resources for the sake of others. But God doesn't just desire our resources. God desires our whole selves. God doesn't ask us to do anything that God is unwilling to do. God gives God's self to us as Jesus the Christ, and we respond by giving our lives back over to God. The one who created us. The one who knows us better than we know ourselves. The one who reaches down and formed us out of the dirt, out of the clay, and breathes new life into our souls. Giving our lives back to that God. For God gave Zechariah and Elizabeth a gift. God gave them the child John. And so they give John back up to God to be utilized for God's purposes on earth. Listen to Zechariah's response after the birth of his son. And this comes out of Luke chapter 1, verse 68 to 79. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors 
And he has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we being rescued from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then I imagine he turns to his son, John. And he says, and you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways and to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah believed that just as God gave him John, that he would give John back to God as a gift. Zechariah believed that John would indeed give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And that John would guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah was right. John the Baptist gave his life in service to God. He emptied himself for the sake of others. And in giving himself away to God, he finds hope. And surrendering total control of his life, he finds peace. As for John, bad things will still happen. He is still thrown into a prison. He's still beheaded. And yet, the peace that John the Baptist found is not rooted in external circumstances. This is the peace that we only receive when we live in harmony with God's. This is how we prepare for the presence of Jesus. Giving ourselves away, joining with all creation in the song that God has been playing since the very beginning of time. A song of generosity, a song of grace, a song of hope, a song of love. Living our lives in obedience to God who gives away generously following the models of the prophets and individuals like John who went before us, giving themselves away. This is who we are to be, so that all flesh might see the salvation of God. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John gave his life away. John emptied himself so that all flesh might see the salvation of God. John understood that preparing for Jesus, preparing for the one who is to come, meant emptying himself out for the sake of others. It meant giving himself away back to God who gave life to him. And if this is how John prepared, this is how you and I are to prepare as well giving ourselves away, opening our lives, surrendering total control, emptying ourselves to be utilized for God's glory, God's honor. 
And so we sing. Come thou long expected Jesus. And as we sing that, we will be praying, not my will, but yours be done, O Lord. While we center ourselves and ask that the very power and presence of God would empower us to give ourselves away to God for the sake of God's creation. For God desires to do a work in and through us that are beyond our wildest dreams and imagination. God doesn't need us, but God loves to work through regular, average, ordinary people. People like John the Baptist, people like you and me.